Hey everyone and welcome to EA Podcast number three. I'm, I'm Ethan and I'm here with Anj today and our first special guest of the season. We have Chris Dahlia. Chris, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you today? We're excellent. And Chris, can you kind of just give us a whole insight on, um, you're in ninth grade, going into 10th grade as well, yes. just like us, and just yes. give us kind of how your high school experience has been. You know, it's been great. The walking wasn't too bad. Um, I'm glad to have many classes with my friends, um, enemies. Yeah, <laughs> Salem High School, that's where I go. Same for Anj. And um, what sports are you a part of? What sports do you enjoy? Oh, I, re- I I personally like soccer, tennis, basketball, and I'm actually getting into baseball right now. I don't know too much about it, but I uh, have some friends that are teaching me. Wonderful. I'm so glad. It's great to have you today. Anj, how are you doing like always? I'm great. Wonderful. And I'm going <laughs> to throw it right to you there. And can you please catch us up on Wimbledon News? Certainly. Yesterday was a crazy day at Wimbledon, so there are four quarterfinal matchups in the men's draw, and all of them went to at least four sets. Roger Federer was upset by Kevin Anderson from South Africa in a five-set thriller, 2-6-6-7-7-5-6-4-13-11 in the fifth set. And Federer had match point in the second set. How do you blow such a lead, do you guys think? Like, you, he was up two sets to love, and then... Anderson won three straight sets to win the match. You know, I think it's a lot about momentum. You get a lot of, especially in tennis, right? I say, like, in tennis, you could be down, love 40, and still come back to win that game. And really, the only thing that shows on that, um, on the scoreboard, is the game. Right. People don't remember, oh, he was down, love 40, you know what I'm saying? It shows that you won the game. At the end of the day, you you could struggle throughout the game, you could grind it out, but at the but when it comes down to it, if you win the game, that's all that matters. And also stamina has something to do with it. You have low stamina. You could go on a just a downward spiral and really just fall off, fall out of, um, fall out of the competition. Right. And Roger Federer's match was over four hours, and the fifth set went to thirteen eleven. It's a thing at all three majors, but at but the U.S. Open, in which the fifth set is continuous and does not have a tiebreak. You must win by two games. And Kevin Anderson got the key break at 11-all and was able to serve it out. So, good job for him. He made the U.S. Open final in 2017, losing to Rafael Nadal. And um, now for Rafael Nadal, he beat Juan Martín Del Potro of Argentina in a five-set thriller as well. 7-5-6-7-4-6-6-4-6-4. I actually watched this game, the Nadal against Del, Del Potro, and it was, a, it was a thriller. I loved every second of it, and especially down... You saw so much effort. The players were diving and jumping and just really going for every ball. And I was watching, especially in the last set, um, the emotions, right? They really got into it, and it was just really nice to see. Um, Nadal's serve was really um, was really working at the end there Del to, Potro was also to serving. clutch the win. Del yeah. Potro served very well throughout the whole match. He had a two sets to one lead before Nadal was able to come back. Didn't and he serve in the 130 mile per hour range? His serves are usually around that. And he, he had a forehand that was 107 miles an hour. Wow. That, he has a very, he know, has a very big forehand. They're both determined that game. You know, they weren't going to let anything easy go by. Exactly. Right. Especially being the number two and the number five in the tournament. Right. They had a lot of stakes on them. And in my opinion, whoever won that match is going to take it all. So it would have been Del Potro. Now it's Nadal. And, and my predictions, I think Nadal's going to go all the yep, way and win the tournament. I agree. Okay, Federer's out. Everyone, no one expected him to be out this early, and I think he was the favorite to win. He was the top favorite to win the tournament. Which side of the draw do you think will win? So on one side, you have 
the f- semifinal would be Kevin Anderson versus John Isner of the United States. And on the other side, it's Novak Djokovic versus Rafael Nadal. Do you think that I, in my opinion, personally, I think whoever comes out of the Nadal-Djokovic side will win the tournament. Yeah, I agree. Both good players. Djokovic did have that injury, though. Yes, and now, that's why he's a bit lower in the rankings. He's 12. Usually he's been in the 1, 2, 3, 4 range. Top 3. Yeah. I see him at the 12, and I think that's very, like, compared to everyone else, that is the lowest seed so far still in the tournament. That is but true. But I think if he does beat Nadal, he will have the most momentum coming into the finals, which I think will still give him the win. Yes. Djokovic beat Nadal at the 2011 Wimbledon final, getting Novak Djokovic's very first Wimbledon. First of three. He beat Keen Ishikori in his quarterfinal matchup, 6-3, 3-6, 6-2, 6-2. So a pretty routine match. I mean, dropped that one set, but pretty routine. John Isner and Milos Raonic of Canada played in a match. John Isner would be the victor of that. Losing the first set, 6-7, but then coming back, 7-6, 6-4, 6-3. So that's really all the news on Wimbledon. The final will be on Sunday, whoever wins on that one. And now I'll kick it to Ethan for some baseball news. Well, thank you, Anch. It's great to just dive into the world of baseball. And this time of year is my favorite. And it is all-star time, all-star season. And they just recently came out with the, um, the home run derby bracket. And Anj and Chris, maybe I know you don't know too much about baseball. No. I would nope. love to do kind of like a mock <clears throat> home run derby. Anj, I wanna, you're going to tell me who's going to win each of the brackets and then who's going to be the, the main victor, all right? I'm going to start in our first bracket. This is the 1v8. We have Jesus Aguilar from the Milwaukee Brewers. This year, he has just came on the scene. He had a hard time getting into the lineup, but then he got in and he has proved that he is a great hitter. And he actually made the all-star team. He was on one of the one of the people who got lucky and got the final vote against number eight Reese Hoskins. Who do you think will prevail in the one v eight? I think the number one. I mean, that's just really. I think he's had a great season for Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's doing pretty good in the standings. I think they're second, I believe. Or are they first? First, they are oh, top first. of the Cubs. So there you go. I mean, they're doing well, and I think he's one of the main reasons that the Brewers have a chance to make the playoffs <clears> for <throat> the first time in a while, I feel like. I haven't really seen the Brewers in the playoffs. Last year was a good season. They just fell short. Mm-hmm. They um they did not perform how they thought they could. I think with all the new faces, Lorenzo Cain, Kristen Yelich, and now Jesus Aguilar coming onto the scene, they have a great chance to win the Central and go deep into the playoffs. The next bracket on the same side of the draw is the number four, Alex Bregman from the Houston Astros. Not a guy that's huge in stature, but he can hit the ball out. Remember remember last episode how we were talking about that big 12-game hitting streak that he was on? Yeah, we did talk about that. Against number five, we all know him, Kyle Schwarber for the Cubs, who will prevail in that matchup. I think that this is a really tough one. I mean, the four or five matchups are always the toughest. They one are because they're the they're the most even, right? Most um, balanced, yeah. So who's gonna prevail in that one? Um, I think that uh, Kyle Schwarber will um advance because he's been very good for the Cubs this season, and um, Bregman's been good for the Astros. But I think Schwarber might edge him out and picking the I guess mini upset. Yeah, I think Bregman's had a lot of success in the season hitting home runs, but I don't know if his intention to hit home runs in the Derby. With his small stature, I don't know if he can beat Kyle Schwarber. And you've seen him. Huge. A lot of muscles. I don't know. I, I agree with the Schwarber. So Aguilar versus Schwarber. Between them, who's going to the finals? I'd say... 
I'm gonna give Schwarber. Okay, so not the number. So you're saying the number five, Kyle Schwarber, mm-hmm. will be going to the finals yep. in the draw. That is a very bold prediction, and I am excited to see how that. Um, and I'll tell you my out. reason. I think he's a little more experienced, and I think that experience I will give him that edge and hit the most home runs, and maybe the bright lights might scare off the new the newbie, right? Absolutely, that could be accurate. It is it is in DC, and talking about DC, Bryce Harper is Home number time. two. They wanted him to be number one, and they were <clears> saying, <throat> I saw a quote, they wanted to make it this All Star game all about him, but um, he falls number two behind Aguilar, and he's playing the number seven, Freddie Freeman. Ooh, Freddie Freeman of the Braves, right? Yes, absolutely, probably a good NL MVP candidate with his start this year. He actually got the most votes on the NL side of the All Star voting. Really. He did. Freddie Freeman. So who will win between Harper and Freeman? I have to give the edge to Bryce Harper. It's him home stadium. He's he, going to get to all the fans. He knows the stadium well. I mean, I think he knows like which ways to hit the ball. I mean, that does have some effect in when you're hitting a home run when you play in that stadium for half the games of the season. So I think I'd have to give him the edge in that, in that category. And I'll give my personal opinion on this next one. We have the number three, Max Muncy. Name probably haven't heard of. Catcher for the Dodgers. He has had a great season. His at-bats to home run ratio is outrageous. He has just been performing on with not much sample size against Javier Baez. I'm going to say Javier Baez. He loves the lights. I'll give him in the 3-6 to six edge. I'll give it to Baez. And I do think Harper will end up beating out Baez. So in the finals, we're looking at Schwarber and Harper. Who's going to win? Hometown DC boy. So we're saying Bryce Harper will get the uh, the home run derby. Yeah, this would yes. be a great turnaround. He needs it. He is batting in the low two hundreds, struggling this season, after being very good in the previous two three seasons. Right. And um, he could use this maybe as a turnaround for the season. I'm surprised Aaron Judge isn't in the home run derby last year. I know he was a champion last year, wasn't he? Or like this year, he's not in the home run derby. Correct. He's not in the derby this year. But it also has something to do with what players want to participate. All oh, right. Some just won't want, don't want to do it because they think it'll mess up their home run swing. Or they're just swinging the season. That might have um, happened to Judge last year. He had that little slump at the second half of the season, if I, yeah. if I didn't remember correctly. Exactly. Now we're going to go, since it is when all-star time comes, it's also the trade deadline. The Orioles have been um, talking on trading their all-star, Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. And they said to the Yankees... If you would put their left-handed pitching prospect, Justice Sheffield, in the deal, they will accept it. He's the number two prospect for the Yankees, left-handed pitcher. How would you think that Machado, what, what, what would his effect be on the Yankees? It may, I think it would maybe give the Yankees that edge over the Red Sox to pull away in the AL, in the AL East. Because Manny Machado has been a very good player for a while for the Orioles, and... Sadly, the Orioles aren't going anywhere, so I think to get rid of him would be a good idea for the Orioles. And to get a prospect that the Yankees, who, who what was his name again? Oh, Sheffield. Yeah, Sheffield. I feel like a prospect pitcher that could help the Orioles maybe rebuild a little bit because I think they're in kind of that stage that yeah. they need to rebuild. I agree. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you this one since this is more just like a moral question based on morals. Um, in a game a few nights ago, um, the Astros pitcher... Ken Giles was on the bump, struggling mightily, giving up hits and runs. They actually end up tying. The A's end up tying the game in the ninth, and he ended up blowing the save and blowing the game, and they had to go into extras. Really? When A.J. Inch, Hinch came up to the mound and was going to pull him, take the ball and put in a new pitcher, he used profound language 
and he said the F word to his coach. And then after that, he was sent down to AAA. Chris, I know you don't have managerial experience, but if you were coming to pull out a pitcher and they use that language towards you when you're just trying to do the best for the team, when you're clearly struggling, mm-hmm. how would you feel and what would be – how would you react to that? You know, I, I wouldn't be happy because as the manager, the players have to respect you because they're the ones that are out there playing because of you. Exactly. You're the one that put them out there. So when you're having an off night – and you should realize this, of course. Oh, yeah. He gave up hits and he gave up runs and he was just struggling, clearly. You know, I think it's um, it, it's good for a change, you know. Like substitutions in, uh, in soccer or in basketball, you know. Someone gets two, three turnovers in like a quarter, you know. Take a break. Think about what you can do. And, and definitely not use that language. No, you coach. should. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with what the coach did. There. And sending him down to AAA. You um, agree with He needs well. to know how to respect the people that help him. I, I'm in agreement with you. That is absolutely a very fair and very open-minded way to look at this problem, and I think that's very mature. So I agree with Hinch, and I hope Ken Giles can grow up, and that's hard to say to someone playing in the major league, but they need to grow up. Can't be swearing at your manager. That's that's completely, that's very inappropriate. It's ridiculous, and it's just unbelievable. I would never do that to a coach of mine. Okay, and going on back to the All-Star, Zach Granke from the Diamondbacks actually is now going to replace John Lester on the All-Star team. So he'll be getting his fifth All-Star nod in replacement of Lester. And the surprising thing, people, I've heard this all around baseball, people are not happy. Blake Snell from the Rays, ERA, the AL ERA leader, really high, and he has great strikeout ratio, doing great for the Rays. He did not make the All-Star team. Anj, it's pretty much comparing and saying, like, the person in the NBA who's leading in points and has good rebounds, good amount of rebounds, they don't make the All-Star team. How do you feel about that? And how, how would you feel if you were Blake Snell? I mean, in every sport, in All-Star games, there are always the snubs. But I think this one's a pretty big one. I mean, considering you're the leader in ERA in the AL... Yeah. I think that really that's ridiculous for him not to be on the all-star team. It's the same thing in every sport. It happens in every sport. You miss you miss an all-star game, you get snubbed out. Like Damian Lillard in basketball, he got snubbed out of an all-star game a couple of years ago. And that's really what this is, kind of the same thing. Absolutely. So now I kind of go into humor, right? Because baseball, at the end of the day, it's fun, right? For the Diamondbacks, they pitched two position players. One that we might know of, Descalso and then Alex Avila. They threw a combined four and two-thirds innings. More innings than the three regular pitchers before them. Okay? Alex Avila and Descalso. They pitched for the Diamondbacks in their loss against the Rockies. As a starting pitcher and as the pitchers that followed him... How do you feel that these position players come in, pitch more innings than you? I think that's kind of embarrassing. It's, I mean, I'd be embarrassed if I was a pitcher and then someone who doesn't even do that job just comes in and does my job better than I do. Yeah, and I, he does it for longer. I was seeing like one position player came in and he had a nasty knuckleball. I think it was a different Ooh. game. He like a 67-mile-per-hour knuckleball that was dancing around. And he's a position player, so he doesn't practice the art. And Chris, I just have a question for you. Right. So... This I'm going to call this, what's worse? 
Okay, it's a little segment. What's worse? What's worse? If a position player is pitching and they strike out a normal hitter, like a batter, Mm -hmm. like second baseman, shortstop, whatever, a person that typically bats, is that worse? Or is it worse when a normal pitcher is pitching and they give up a home run to a pitcher that's batting? What is worse? What would you be more embarrassed by? If you were that hitter striking out against a position player or if you were that pitcher that just gave up a home run to a pitcher? I would be more embarrassed if I was the pitcher that gave a home run to a pitcher. It does happen, okay? Because my Garrett, my cousin, he's had a few home runs against pitchers. So it does happen. But, you know, getting I think getting struck out by a position player is embarrassing. I mean, they're both ultimately They're, they're both bad. They're both ultimately embarrassing. I'm, what would you say? The position player or the pitcher? I think if I'm the batter and... Um, Someone pitches, and I, oh, what was the question? I'm sorry. Okay, so what's, what's worse? If you're a batter and you get struck out by a position player that's pitching, mm-hmm. or if you're a pitcher and you gave up a home run to a pitcher that's batting. Um, I think if I'm a, a, a player and a position player pitches, I, I feel like that'd be even worse because like they aren't regular pitchers. And um, that'd be really bad. That'd be really bad if you're like a really good hitter as well. I exactly. think that's really embarrassing. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. And um, I kind of just want your guys' opinion because sports are only so much. And I, I tend to look at the morals of the game and what people stand for. In baseball, they have the thing called the Papa Slam. It's when bases are loaded and it's a home run, a grand slam, right? And they do a promotion for um, Papa John's. And... Um, the founder, actually, of Papa John's, they actually cut the promotion. They, they took it off the table when the founder of Papa John's used profound language. And he was d- using racial slurs, okay? Like, wow. This is ridiculous. I'm going to pull up this right now. I'm clicking on this link. He used the N-word in a May training session. And, the, and he apologized for it. But still, the MLB... Took the promotion off the table. So my question is to you. Do you do you feel like that words, and especially words of that um, derogatory that term, that exactly, caliber. the caliber, should be then, should, you be con- should the consequences be severe, that severe of pulling a, a large promotion off the table? You know, I have to agree. I think it is. That words definitely affect, you know... A lot of things like if you if you're rude to someone obviously there should be a consequences but if there's a word that you're using to target someone specifically exactly and to humiliate or make fun that's just I 100% agree I, I agree with you completely especially that type of word that because that's not acceptable and I'm not saying this I'm, I'm not saying this to cause anger I'm not saying this to cause controversy I'm saying this to bring up a problem that we have in this world. And I want it to be thought-provoking. I want people to think, geez, if I say this, what could happen? See, really? a, lot of, a lot of people in the world don't think before they say or do something. Absolutely. And now just to wrap it up uh, with the baseball segment, I kind of just wanted to go into um, what games are um, coming up today on in the pipeline. So um, Great. we have... 
We have the Athletics and the Astros. That game just started. Charlie Morton takes the bump for the Astros. Actually, Charlie Morton missed out on the All-Star game after having a fabulous season. I believe he was deserving to make it. He had a better ERA and a better strikeout percentage than J.A. Happ, who actually made the All-Star team from the um, the Blue Jays. So, tough luck. Charlie, great pitcher, and I hope he does well today in a start against the Athletics. Uh, Diamond Best... Diamondbacks versus the Rockies will be coming up today at 310. Pirates and the Brewers. The Brewers need this win to lengthen the gap between them and the Cubs. That game's at 705. And then another game they found very interesting and one that I think you might like, Arch, is the Yankees and the Indians are starting their game at 710. What is your reaction and who do you think will prevail? Without knowing any starting pitcher, just the basis of their team. What team is better? I think the Yankees because I think they're I think overall they're a better team. Like I said, I've said this in a previous episode. The Yankees and the Red Sox are the two best teams in the AL, and I think the the sec I think the Yankees I'd call them right now the second best team in the AL. I think they'll prevail against the Indians, who quite frankly are in a very are in a very weak division. Yeah, the AL Central is very weak considering the Twins with a record of what's the record? The Twins are forty one and forty nine, and they're in second place in the division. That that should say something. That's not a very strong division, so I think. The Indians are kind of getting it off easy to get into the playoffs. So I feel like yeah, I agree with you. The Yankees' record is sixty and thirty-one compared to the Indians of fifty and forty-one. So there is there is a very large differential between their records. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just I want you guys. I could go through the whole All Star list. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you're truly curious, look it up. Dig dig through it. Look at the statistics. Look at who's playing and. I definitely recommend tuning in and watching the game because I truth, truthfully feel like it'll be a very good one. So thank you, and that's that's the baseball segment for today. I'm going to throw it back to Anch, or might I say pitch it over to Anch, for um, some basketball news. Thanks, Ethan. Um, so in basketball news, something that happened very recently, the Cleveland Cavaliers declined to trade during the draft to trade up for Luka Doncic. You don't know he got drafted to the Hawks and then was traded mm-hmm. to the Dallas Mavericks. Yes. Do you think maybe if the um, Cavs did this trade and did draft Luka Don- Doncic, they might have kept LeBron James, or it might have been better than Colin Sexton, who they ended up drafting? You know, it's it's really I don't think it would make a difference. Personally, I think Doncic is better than Sexton, right. just based on his performance in in the European League. Yes. And just he has a track record. And it's not a track record in college, because just look at it. Look at Lonzo Ball's track record in college. One of the best players, arguably, in that season when he played during his best season in UCLA. But then look at how that transferred. The shooting was not there, and his game transferred well, but it didn't transfer complete. Donkic has, has a track record on a professional level. I'm not saying that leagues in Europe are equal and as superior as the NBA, but it's probably the close second that we can find in the world. So I think it would be better than Donkic, but I also heard LeBron's reasons. He wanted to stabilize himself and his family in L.A. Right. They went to L.A. That was kind of a family decision. I think he wanted to go and prove that he could turn a team around, especially a team with a track record, like I was talking about last episode, that the Lakers made. They had Shaq, Kobe. They built a name for that franchise, right. and they're bringing people in. And now LeBron wants to make it so they're a success again. Because their season last, the last season was extremely disappointing for the Lakers. I agree. And 
I think I would have done this trade if I was Cleveland. Even just like, I feel like Colin Sexton is is a very good point guard. Nothing against Colin Sexton. Very athletic. Yes, and I think that Luka Doncic might have just been like a better future. Because if I know that the Cavs are trying to look in, because I think everyone kind of knew when this season started that if the Cavs didn't win a championship, which I think was very obvious that they weren't gonna, that if they didn't win a championship, then LeBron was gonna leave. Oh yeah, and you can just see in the finals they were outmatched. Like it was like sending toddlers to play against like second graders. It was that outmatched. Yeah, it was. The uh, Warriors took their lunch money. It's like taking candy from a baby. And you know LeBron tried really hard. Fifty points in the first fifty something points in the first game and still lost. Yeah. No. Yeah. No one else backed him up. Doncic was Doncic currently plays for the Dallas Mavericks, and I think the Mavericks have a very good future with him as their. What I don't know, I think, as a starting point guard. So I was going back to thinking, like, words have consequences. Mm-hmm. There has been a lot of publicity on LeBron James and his language towards the President of the United States, quoting, he called him a bum, and he is using this language in a derogatory way to provoke hatred against the President of the United States. I don't care if people have a difference of opinion. I love debating and talking and respecting people with different opinion, because that's important to me. And that's some of the basis of this country. But I think using his political, and he's pushing his political opinion with his professional platform that he has, is inappropriate. I think he's just personally stating his political opinion. Opinion. I don't see anything wrong with it. He's just stating what he believes in. I, he just does personally does not like the president of the United States, and he has his own opinion, like you said. Yeah, but calling someone a bum is not so much an opinion as to more hurtful. I agree with Chris. Maybe the choice of words could have been different. I'm completely fine if he has disapproval, but using the term bum. And is extremely disgraceful. So I think that should be... I don't know what they're going to do. Probably nothing. <laughs> and to be honest, it's <laughs> not even like, I don't even think that's that big a deal to call someone a bum. I, think, I, I understand. Think that's not that much of a derogatory term to call someone a bum. To be honest, I don't even think he should have even expressed his political opinions out to the world. I think players can do... I think players... I think everyone has their own right to express their political opinion. And that's one thing that I, that I pride our country on, that we can... That everyone can, I think, be open about their political opinion. And I think LeBron James, even though he is famous and he kind of has a bigger platform to do it on, I think I think he, he said it. He said what he believes and, you know. Can I just give you the dictionary definition do- for a bum? It's being a vagrant. And a vagrant is a person without a settled home or regular work who wanders from place to place and lives by begging. Is that really what our president is? Trust me. This is not start... This is not... Um, I'm not trying to start controversy. I'm trying to allow people to understand that we cannot... Absolutely, he has the right to his opinion. And he can say whatever he wants to. But he's little children looking up to him as, an, as, an influ, as a good influence as a, and as a role model to play basketball and to be a good person. But think about it. If when we look back on LeBron James's career, let's just say 20 years into the future, I don't think we're ever going to look back on... One statement he made. You know, and I hope not, because I hope he redeems himself. So Le- the LeBron James is one off. of the one of the uh, like best sports influences I think in, out in basketball. Yeah, because in he's he's one of the only basketball players that hasn't done like really something bad in like 
considering that he he's never done drugs. He's never had like a criminal history, considering how he grew up. He grew up in like such a such a way, like in an Akron community where his he was a, he grew up with a single mother, and I think he grew up in such a way that even that he could have gone to a life of crime and a life of just drugs, but he was able to not do that and he went to his basketball talent. I agree, and honestly, I, see this is a great conversation. This is building because right. then it, it's thought provoking. It is because then people listening can create their opinion right right and then they have an opinion and it gets them passionate right i know you're passionate about this i'm passionate about it mm-hmm. right and I, people are gonna disagree with me people are gonna disagree with you yeah but that is the that is the power and that is the the pride and that is the right that we have in this country so right amen that that, that was wonderful great segment there i like it um carl anthony towns is discussing a max extension with the minnesota timberwolves what do you think about this I think it's great. It shows that he's loyal. He's right. loyal. And it's not like the Timberwolves is a Jenga tower that's about to fall. Right. They have stability. I think they have a very good For team. For the future. That could um, make a run at the title, I feel like. I, I think every team really is just trying to beat the Warriors. I think that's every team's goal when they're signing free agents and they're building these well, super teams. They're well, now they're the trying to beat the Warriors because anyone of anything will take any less of money to go right. with them, right. which is ridiculous. And I think they should have a conversation about superpower teams in the NBA because I think it's getting to the point where it's ridiculous. Well, I don't really think there's nothing the NBA can really do about that because it's every because I mean, kind of make the NBA like a dictatorship because the NBA, I think the NBA prides itself on being a very like fair league, and I think it's one of the best well run leagues in the four professional sports. It's probably the best, and I think it's growing the fastest. And that's what I uh, and I pride about the NBA and how free it is, and how the players can make their own decisions, and they're not really barred down on by owners like how in football and other sports. And that's what and that's what I think about the NBA, and that's what I like about this. Well, there's still gonna be arguments, you know. People had uh, a lot of arguments about the Heat trio with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Mm-hmm. This is now got but, from right, but. They were beatable, and that's the thing. The Spurs took them out. The Mavs. This took is them out. what I'm saying. Is now now we have an overpowered team who, you know, the only team that I think that has a chance. The only two teams. I think Houston. Houston and the Celtics. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that's. I think it's a. It's truthfully, a shame in my opinion that it's like the Warriors look at their cap room. They have the ability to go get high-level free agents. They don't need help from DeMarcus Cousins saying, I'll take a pay cut to play with you. Because teams that are in the lower markets can't even compete with them cap space. And if people are going to take pay cuts to go with them anyway, then what's the point? It's ridiculous in my opinion. I feel like this is just a worse version of what Kevin Durant did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant. And we have... Many opinions on Kevin. I like Kevin. I, I, I know. I respect. I respect him, him as a player. I not, mean, not, not as a player. I respect him as a person. He's a very good person. I've seen him do charity work in like a lot of. I, he went to India last summer and he did um charity work there. Yeah, hits and, you. Hits you home. <laughs> hits me home. Yeah, he did. He does a lot of charity work, and I respect him as a person. But as a basketball player, I kind of lost a lot of respect for him when he went to Golden State. Alrighty, the NBA. You know how, I don't know if you guys know this, but free agency starts every year on July 1st at midnight. 
the NBA is deciding to move it to an earlier hour. What are, what are your guys' opinions on this? Doesn't I truthfully think it doesn't matter. It do, I, I could care less. Is the time of free agency still the same? What do you mean? Is like the length of free the agency. The length, is it yes, still but the like, same? I think many people had a problem with like, because owners, they had to meet with people like at midnight. And I don't think that's like really like, I, I didn't like that personally. I think this is a really good move for the NBA. I think it's, I think it's productive, especially if they make it more, um, if it makes it in which it promotes trade mm-hmm. and it promotes the owners at a more convenient time right. to go talk about trade. It's definitely beneficial. I think that's for beneficial. The, it's beneficial for the owners. It, right. it almost has little to no effect on the fan. Oh yeah, no, I'm no just, effect. This is just like I guess kind of like a news thing. I really didn't. Yeah, no, I think it's good. No, because I, I I didn't even know that. So right. good fact. Um. The NBA is ready to abolish the one-and-done rule. Now, for those, I'm pretty sure almost everyone knows what the one-and-done rule is, but for those who don't, it's a player has to go to college for at least one year before they can enter the NBA draft. Now, this rule was established in 2005, and LeBron James, Kobe Bryant are players that were before it and that came into the NBA before. And I actually really like this, because I think the one-and-done rule is one of the dumbest things I think in sports. So you're saying a player should be able to go straight from high school into the NBA if they're ready. Right. And I think like there's players that I don't think they didn't need to go to college. Marvin Bagley, DeAndre, those players, there really was no need for them, I think, to go to college because I think they were just ready for the NBA. Actually, I will disagree with you on this regard because I think college provides two things. College does not just provide... In education, which is the main importance of college. Because think about it. After your career, after basketball, some people will be really successful. Some, maybe not. Maybe injury could set them short. Most players, I think, will want to have that stability and that base of a good college education post-basketball. And then also, I also think it will give NBA teams and NBA scouts a more fair and even representation of their skill level playing against college and collegiate players that are definitely better than high school. So I think it's in two ways it's better. But players like LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, both of those guys... Maybe, maybe LeBron came, could benefit from a college out, education. They came straight out of high school. And they came into the NBA and they had great NBA careers. And I, I don't think Kobe Bryant needed to go to college. I think it was the, a good move for him to go straight into the NBA because... I personally didn't think that college would have benefited him in any way. And he's still, Except for his education. But he's still a smart person. And I, I understand. You can still go to college like after your NBA career is over. Correct. And I, many players do that. Like they, They'll do online yeah, courses. Yao Ming just graduated. Right. And, and they'll do courses like for their colleges. Like they'll, um, they'll do online courses and then they'll get their degree. I understand. Whatever. But I, I personally like this. Thing. I like this because I don't think, that, I don't think it's necessary for college players who I think the NBA is what their goal is. I think it really colleges for those players who weren't able to prove themselves as much in high school and they need to and they needed that college kind of thing to get kind of up their game. Players like Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, all those guys, I don't really think they needed to go to college if they went straight to the NBA. A player like Michael Porter, he got injured in his college season and he was the number one prospect. College hurt. Okay, I'm looking at it more it's not. It's more on the education basis. That's how I'm looking at it, and also a little bit for the scouts and for the teams. That's that's how I'm looking at it. It's very rarely is it. If you're good enough, it's not really going to be beneficial to the player. I get in a sports life. I get that. But when I'm a parent, I don't care how darn good my son or daughter is. 
I would like them to get a college education, and I will live by that because I think it is a building block in life, and it is a vital part of maintaining and sustaining a beneficial lifestyle, in my opinion, after sports. You know, that's, that's just my. Opinion. I agree with what Ansh says because I feel like in the end it's up to the player. Right, and it's for players especially like they know that NBA players are going to make more money in their career than any of us are going to make in a lifetime, and they don't need. A, I don't really. Well, Donald think, Trump made more than LeBron James, but I guess he's a bum, so I don't know. But I guess bums go begging. I guess he begged a lot in his life, but you know. But yeah, you got a small loan of a million dollars. Exactly. I agree with you. Some players are good enough. A lot will make a lot of money. Maybe it's a good move. Maybe it's not. I just it's say it's all dependent. To I the just person. say, yeah. Let's wait and see how it plays out. You know, one year doesn't hurt. Also, an extra year of playing with you know, yeah. I mean, um, other players, learning, you know, learning how the game, you know, because high school and college, you know, that's a different level, right? And college to NBA, you know, it's still different, but. You can adapt more easily than you can adapt. And I think there's some players that, like, I think how it used to be is, like, players who really, like, I kind of needed college. They needed it kind of bump their draft stock. Yeah. And I think, but for players like Michael Porter, it hurt him this year. Because he got hurt and his draft stock fluke dropped. Fluke injury. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to play it like, like, it was a fluke. It's going to happen. People right. are going to get hurt. But it's life. Let's just say the one and done rule was, like, it was abolished already. He would have got, and he, I think he would have been the first pick or close to it. Possibly. And I, I, I'm just excited to see how this is going to turn out. Yep. So, the Rockets are optimistic they'll keep Clint Capella. Clint Capella was a very big part in the Rockets' success last season. Great rebounder. Yeah, amazing. In I my think. opinion, I think Capella means almost the same to the Rockets as Chris Paul does. He is that vital. It's like having Hall and not having Oates, mm-hmm. if anyone doesn't get my reference. It's like having Shaggy but no Scooby. Yeah. It's like, I think they go hand in hand. Capella rebounds, picks and rolls, and supports his whole team. He supports the shooters, Mm -hmm. and maybe, let's just say the shooting's off. He's going to pull down boards, kick it out, or put it up. He is a vital piece to the Rocket, and without him, they have no chance to beat the Warriors. No. I agree. And the Rockets are also chasing after Carmelo Anthony, who will be released by the um who will be let go of by the thunder whether it be via trade or he will be released and paid over time do you think carmel i think we talked about this last time but chris paul was kind of um pursuing him kind of pursuing carmel anthony saying to the rockets hey i think he'd be a good piece for us do you think that carmel anthony would be a good piece and then i also have a follow-up question relating to the rockets well you know we, know, we all know Carmelo Anthony is an ISO player. Right, and I think the Rockets are kind of an ISO team. Yes. Chris Paul, I think they run that Chris kind of Paul, offense. James Harden. Right. They're very isolation players. And they, I don't think they rely as much on ball movement as, like, I think James Harden, he might get a pick, he'll drive it, and then or he'll go ISO on a player, See, for drive me, to the basket, and then kick it out in the corner to a three-point shooter. For me, all the Rockets is ISO and three-pointers. Right, and that's exactly And it. I think Carmelo would be great for that team. I think he's, like I said, I think he's a perfect fit. I said in the last episode, but the Rockets coach is Mike D'Antoni, and right. Mike D'Antoni and Carmelo Anthony don't exactly have the best relationship. They were, um, they used to be um, on the same team in New York. Melo did not like D'Antoni, and I don't think they had the best relationship. D'Antoni has said he is fine with having Melo on the team, but 
Do you think that might affect his decision to go if whether it be like by being a free agent to do you think that might affect his decision to go to Houston? If he's gonna act like it's it would be very childish in my You know, opinion. I feel like he should just you know, this is all, all in the end this is business. This it is, is business, but I think like I I mean like if you think about it like business wise, I mean like you really wouldn't want to work with someone you don't like and like be like kind of like a ma- like a partner with them. And I think D'Antoni and Melo did not have the best relationship. They tried to be coach player when Melo was in New York, didn't work out too well. But when um but when D'Antoni states that he'd be fine with Carmelo Exactly. I think he's trying again. to make men's. Yeah. He's I think he wants him to join and they're gonna work it out and try to hopefully increase their relationship. I think the Rockets would maybe kind of it bring them closer to I think competing with the Warriors now that the Warriors got DeMarcus Cousins. Especially since they also kept Capella too. Right. I mean that that's gonna be big for them. Because Capella's a good rim protector. I think he is better than DeMarcus Cousins, even though DeMarcus actually can shoot. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's uh better at rebounding and um I think when DeMarcus is healthy mm-hmm. he ranks to me in the top three centers in our in our game. I agree. And I think Capella falls short in versatility. He can't shoot. He can't shoot. Yeah. And you think even if you can't shoot, you would have good post game. He doesn't. He's no. really limited. He gets rebounds, he picks and rolls. Okay, you're a two trick pony Loves. in a league where there's five trick ponies. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of I think a better version of Andre Drummond, but I think Andre. Oh, Drummond, he's better than. But Drummond. Andre Drummond has a better offensive game than I think Capella does because Andre is averaging a fifteen, fifteen kind of season, which is very I think impressive. But Capella, I would say he's a lot better. Just See, I think Capella just reminds me as like an old center, a decent me. Dwight Howard. I think that's kind of a decent comparison. See, I feel if I was Capella right now, I'd be in the gym working on like you know a thousand shots a day, trying to um, get get a mid range first, kind of like Ben Simmons. The Rockets really have a good training staff. I think that can really help Capella kind of develop a jump shot. Now the Kings are preparing to offer Marcus Smart a contract. Do you think that would benefit the Kings or not? You know, the only thing right now I think will benefit the Kings is a miracle. Okay, mm-hmm. Bagley goes down. He's hurt. He's hurt for the they, summer league. He's they, out. That, that's a big blow. It okay. is a big blow. That's like taking a cake you just made and stepping on it. Like, it is destructive, and it literally... they. I had so much optimism for Bagley coming in, being such a big performer, and then look, now he's hurt. And that sets them back. I think that's going to set him back an extra year. Unless he can rebound, rebound in mm-hmm. a sense, yeah. and then play extraordinary. But if he doesn't and he comes back kind of subpar, it's going to set him back. It's more. not like as bad as an injury. as like I think when you're saying he's out for the whole thing, I think people are kind of scared. I don't think it's as bad as an injury as I think many people think. I think he'll be back for training camp. I think that he will start the season, I think, very well. And I think he has he's one of the players that has a chance to win Rookie of the Year. I, I, I would like to... Him and Aiton, I think, are going to be the two top runners. And these are both centers, so I think it's going to be very interesting um, to see how these guys progress in our right. league. So this is... So I have this news, and I'm going to kind of um, kind of transition into a different topic. Mohamed Bamba, the, the draft pick for the um, Orlando Magic... He keeps a photo of DeAndre Ayton being drafted number one as his screensaver. Now, this kind of brings me into motivation. I think that kind of motivation that or, players have. Or being a stalker. <laughs> but we'll go with motivation. I think, I think it really is motivation. I think 
Do you think that motivation is, like, really good for, like, players like Bamba? I think Bamba was drafted sixth overall to the Magic. Absolutely. If you don't have motivation, you're never going to get better. Motivation keeps you working every single day. Put it this way. You have to be motivated about something to wake up every morning, look yourself in the mirror, and say, I'm going to do it. And it could be any sort of motivation. Motivation can be big. It could be small. Maybe one day you wake up and say, geez, my goal, I'm motivated to get an A on this test today. Or I'm motivated. It could be so small as I'm motivated to do something nice for someone today. Right. Something like that. I think and motivation. his motivation, Bamba's motivation, and I'm looking at the picture of Aiton as that he wants to be better than him. He wants to prove people wrong, that he should have been the top, that he should be the top dog. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. I think motivation really, even in sports, but plays a big part in life. Well, I think yeah. You need motivation in your life to, to surpass people and do well in life. Exactly. You've got to be motivated to do things or you're not going to go anywhere. Exactly. We need to get a lot of motivation from all of us together. Right. Especially as a group. Like, if you have a group and you're all motivated to make each other better, just like on a team, the team's going to get better. Right, I agree. And so, like we did last time, we have our This Day in Sports segment. My favorite. Where we talk about something that happened today in sports a while ago. So today, in 1928, the first ever televised tennis match was, was on TV. Wow. Do you think that is... I think that was kind of a big step for sports in a way. I think, like, other sports would tell would being televised and getting that publicity. I think this is a really cool thing that happened. And I think that has really led us into how we are now and how we can watch almost any sport at any time with the click of our finger. Yeah, it's simple uh, modernization. Right. And it has uh, revolutionized how we watch sports, how we engage in sports. And tennis... Um, Tennis has been around for a long, long time, and actually, to hear it, what did you say, 1928? 1928, yes. The first televised game, I think that's extraordinary. So, my my great-grandpa could be watching that game and enjoying it. So, I think that's really cool to see, and to put in perspective. Yeah, it's awesome how it started in 1928, and it's still carrying on today. And getting better and better and better. And it's kind of amazing how now, I mean, like, I feel like it must have been really hard to watch it in 1928, but I feel like now... Just ask your dad, Anj. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) It's not that old, Ethan. Calm I, down. I know, I know. 1929. Okay, 1929. Yeah, there you go. But I think really, like I was going, you can go on your phone and you can just like, with the click of a finger, watch any match you want or any game of any sport. And I think it's really revolutionary. Yeah. We're going to kick it over to soccer with our special guest. Kick it over. You pulled Christopher one of mine? Christopher Dahlia. Yeah, see, I pulled one of your things. Yes. So as we know, the World Cup has been the biggest thing everyone's talking about now in soccer. <laughs> Unless you don't watch soccer. <laughs> Unless you don't watch group. it, of course. <laughs> but a, a lot of uh, transfers have occurred that, you know, a lot of people have might have missed. So let's go ahead and talk about this. And a transfer is tr- a, a, a trade or a signing right. for um, all you not soccer watchers like myself. Yes. <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> I guess. I guess. So guess. number one, we have Riyad Mahrez of Leicester City going to Manchester City. So Riyad Mahrez was a key piece in Leicester winning the first title, first ever title two seasons ago, and now that team has sort of fallen because another key player, N'Golo Kante, went to Chelsea, and okay. and then it was just him, and um, it was just Riyad Mahrez and Jamie Vardy, another key player. So I'm going to ask you, not specifically, just... I hear you. Um, if you were a team that just won the league... Yes, so if, if I was in the Warriors, sort if, of speak. Yes. Okay. That, that team broke apart. 
would you guys would you try to see if you guys could win another one or would you go to bigger places if they offered you? So if I'm a player. If you are the player, if you okay, are the player. So if I'm a player sitting and obviously we can't see everything that the player's dealing with or feeling because I won the championship. That's really the ultimate goal for um for professional sports. It's to win. Yes. People are playing to win. But like if I'm not enjoying either the environment or maybe I think there's further opportunity in an, at another team, then I could easily want to switch. But truthfully, if everything's going as planned, you win the championship, which is the goal. You're having a good time, good chemistry, getting a decent pay and whatnot. Then there's not much reason to leave. So I feel like his reasoning to leave was maybe they weren't going to do it again. That's what I hear you. It could fall apart. And that goes along with, I'm saying, the pay and also the chemistry and the team itself. So that team is most likely not going to win again. That team's been, you know... Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, that the team... The Royals was, won, and then they dismantled, and now look at them. I, I was like, I'm, I've been surprised like the last couple of years. Like, I just remember the Royals making it to two straight World Series, winning the World Series. Yeah. And then the, now they're nowhere to be seen. I think they're at the bottom of, Correct. The, of the AL Central. So next, another transfer that occurred is we have a, one of the biggest legends in soccer that, you know, everyone loves. He's been, been very loyal to his uh, club. We have Gianluigi Buffon, who left from Juventus to go to PSG in France. So I feel like that was a smart choice because he is 40. He, he is 40 as a goalie, and he's, done, he's proven that he can do everything. He's played over 1,000 games. Won a World Cup, won 20 Italian championships, and was named the best goalie of the year multiple times. So I feel like he's done everything he could in the Italian league and wanted to go and expand and see what else he can do. So is PSG a competitor? Are they in it to win it next year? Oh, yes they are. They have a, a lot of great players. With the signing of Buffon, they also have Neymar, one of the best uh, young players, and uh, probably going to be one of the best ones soon. We have Cavani, which is a good forwarder. We also have Di Maria, very fast, came from Manchester United. So in my opinion, this strictly looks like a... He, he has the accolades. We, you said he won all these awards, won the World Cup, mm-hmm. did everything that he really set out to do in an amazing career. Amazing. And I, I think this is just the cherry on top of the Sunday that he wants... To end his career off in a bang, hopefully win, and hopefully have a great time doing it. So I think it's a good move, good for PSG if he's still performing. Yeah. And um, I'm excited. Hopefully he can win another one just to make his resume that much better. You know, every good team has to have a good goalie. Yes. PSG is known for having great defense, but not the best goalie. Absolutely. So I feel like with that asset, he just... I mean, obviously, he's one of the best goalies of all time. He boosted up the team. Absolutely. So next, we have the biggest transfer of all. We have Cristiano Ronaldo going to Juventus, the team that Buffon just left. That is interesting. Yeah. That is really interesting. As a 33-year-old man who won the Champions League three times in a row, first uh, first time that's ever happened in uh, soccer history, he has left... And went to another team when the when no one else left. Everyone's still there. Everyone still wanted to stay there. What was the reasoning for this? Do you think, Chris? 
You know, I personally feel like it was the same as Buffon. He has not stated why he left, but I feel like he wanted to go conquer. He, Real Madrid was his old team, and there was one other competitor for the team, Barcelona. So uh, they would always go head and head. You never know who was going to win. Always like 50-50. Now I feel like with his... um, with his signing of Juventus, I feel like he he made that team the best in the Italian league right now, into which there's going to be no competitor. This sounds very LeBron-esque. Past years, it was Golden State, Cavaliers. 50-50, like you said. Yeah. Button heads. LeBron goes to the Lakers, makes them very good, and a competitor in the West. Very similar. Now, now back to that LeBron thing, I, I really don't think that... Uh, it makes the Lakers a competitor. I think that they'll probably be bouncing in the second round. Correct. I'm, I'm not going to say yeah. a competitor for the title. Right, right, I know, I'm but... saying a competitor in the West. Yeah. And his presence makes others want to come. Rondo. You Stevenson. get him. Stevenson. Stevenson. Who I, I know the relationship between Stevenson and LeBron is a very good one, right? The, I guess they like air conditioning or something. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it, it's very interesting to me. And it pulls people in. You know, it's like... It's like it's like you, Aunt. You know what you remind me? It's you. You pull people in, right? You you pull people in because people want to be by you. You pull people in. So with that deal, it was a hundred seventeen million dollars for four years. Real Madrid is ha- going to have to look to sign someone big. There is talks that he might, they might be actually going for Neymar, Neymar. LFPSG, to come join Real Madrid. I don't think PSG would do that because didn't they just sign Buffon? Yeah. And- Pretty much, I bet they pitched him, you're going to get a great team. Why would they send off probably their arguably best player and take their chances away? Like, exactly. I don't think that'd be smart. Well, we, we do not, we don't know because with $117 million, that's money to sign big players. Even Maybe even Eden Hazard from Chelsea, that could be one of the that's prospects of coming to Real Madrid. Next, we're actually going to go to the World Cup. That's what I was waiting for. Um... So, two days ago, we had uh, France versus Belgium. That game finished one nothing for France. We have a goal scored by Umtiti in uh, minute 51. What did you say, Chris? Um, we, don't have, we don't have profound language on Umtiti. this. Umtiti. Okay, thank you. Scored in minute 51 <laughs> off after... Ethan, uh, on a, Are we in the on. women's league? <laughs> <laughs> Ethan! <laughs> off a beautiful out. delivery by Griezmann off the corner and he- heads it into the bottom corner. That game was... Pretty much France as they controlled the game and rightfully deserved to win it. But here, uh, yesterday's game, Croatia versus England, was a bit of a turnaround. A lot of people expected England to win, as did you guys both as well. But Croatia actually ended up beating England 2-1. to one. In the fifth minute, Trippier scored a free kick, which was amazing. That- well, well, I want to correct you, Chris. I, I don't know per se if I wanted England to win. I just wanted the team with the most points scored in the game to mm-hmm. win. So, since Croatia scored the most, I wanted them to win. So, I was very satisfied with the win from Croatia. And I feel like whoever scores the most points in a soccer game deserves to win. Yeah. So. I mean, I feel like that's just kind of obvious. Right? Exactly. So, it guarantees me <laughs> being right every time. I really hope you're, I really hope you're joking. <laughs> I know. It, I'm kidding. I really hope but no, so, Croatia put on... It was a good fight. It was a great game. It was 50-50 the whole game. It was. Both teams were trying to figure it out. But in the late game, in minute, I'd say, 65 and up, England, it, the fatigue showed. In minute 68, Perisic scored off um, off a delivery and stuck out his foot and just scored it. And the minute, and that went into extra time 
which was minute which was minute 109 where Mandzukic scored the goal to end it off for Croatia. Now, my question for you guys is the final. France and Croatia, who's taking it? France. I I said in the last one, whoever comes out of the um France Belgium side was going to win the World Cup. Ethan? And I'm going to keep sticking with that and that's why I'm going to say France. Ethan you know, I will just go on kind of the different spin of it, right? France is kind of, um, they're definitely a very strong team, a good team. Watch, just watching them that one game, you can see that they are very skilled and talented with some young talent, right? Um, just like the first player that you mentioned, great young talent. But um, I'll go with Croatia in this one because I've seen them prevail. Wasn't that penalty kick win? Yeah. That was a fabulous game. Head-to-head, they edged them out. And I think they will do the same and they will edge out France. See, I am also with Croatia. Croatia actually just set out a world record. This is the farthest Croatia has ever gone in any World Cup really? in history. So I think that might give them a little extra and motivation. And I feel like they are the underdogs. And I hope they actually end up winning because they have some of my favorite players on there. And, you know. <laughs> can, you, can you name one player in Croatia, please? Yeah, name one player. Next up. Um, yeah, let's just the only thing I need to know is that they're going to win the cup. That's huh. all I need. That game will be on um, Sunday. But actually on Saturday, we have uh, Belgium versus England as kind of like the losers game to see who will come in third and fourth place. What's your bets on that, guys? I have to go with England. I England mean, England winning? England was, was very close to winning the match versus Croatia. They were up 1 nothing. I think, throughout yeah, that match. Scored in the, um, in the fifth minute. Yep, and so I think they're up one nothing throughout that whole match, and uh, I think it's very possible that they're going to get third place. So I guess that kind of helps. So that's it for you guys. Thanks for listening. I really appreciated this, the, um, the amount of support that we've gotten and the people that have told us that how great it is, and we thank all the people who have given us support and feedback, and we really hope that you guys listen to us on many plat- platforms. Hopefully. I kind of just want to end it off on this note. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. We deeply appreciate it. And Thank you. we're going to try to have different guests on it, provide right. different opinions. I thought today was very interesting. Um, it was kind of the first time in which we got to not disagreeing, but having constructive um, argument. Yeah. No, not really arguments, argument, but debates. Um, debates. debates yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that. And it gives me too. opinion. And it's also very thought-provoking for the audience. And so I, I I appreciate it. I think personally, this has been my favorite podcast my, of the year. My it was favorite a great one, one as well because I'm actually in it. Yep. So Chris, <laughs> thanks again for having you. Really and appreciate it. From yeah. our EA Sports podcast team, I'll be back. Thank you, and we'll see you on episode. We'll definitely four. see you back.